Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. Uh, my name is Dusty Slay, and I'm the host of the We're Having a Good Time podcast. The one, the only host. Well, sometimes there's different hosts, uh, but I'm the main one. I'm the main host of the We're Having a Good Time podcast, and I'm late. I'm two days late, and I apologize about that. But I had a lot of stuff happen. Uh, so what I'm going to try to talk about on this podcast, I'm going to talk about my shows in Kansas City. I'm going to talk about um, uh, a virtual gig I did while in Kansas City for college. And then I'm going to talk about uh, my time on Last Comic Standing. I know I probably talked about that a little bit here and there before, but I'm going to try to go in detail the whole story of my last Comic Standing experience in 2015 with some details omitted that I'd like to include, but probably best I don't. Um, some fun stuff, but um, uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm excited about the podcast. And so first, let's get into where we've been, where we're going. Where they going? Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Well, uh, let's start with where we're going because that'll be less stuff to talk about. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be at the Grand Old Opry. My understanding is the show's already sold out. I think they're operating at 25% capacity, so that means there's 1,100 people there. Um, we're going to be, they're going to be all masked up, and the Opry experience has really changed. I'm still very excited to be there, but the Opry takes COVID very serious, and and I get it. I mean, they, they do have an older clientele, and that is who is, seems to be most affected by the coronavirus is older people, so I get it. They take it very serious there, so... And it's it's made it less fun, but no less, um, I don't know, I don't know the word, no less of an honor. I mean, I'm still very excited to be there. I mean, I'm pretty sure this will be my 12th or 13th time to do the Opry, which is unbelievable. I mean, to think that I would ever do the Opry even one time is pretty amazing to me, uh, much less uh, 13 times. So I'm excited. I'll do it, you know, uh, with 10, 10% capacity and uh, people wearing spacesuits. Makes no difference to me. Uh, I'll do it, and I'll be happy to do it. So that's what's happening. That's where I'm going this weekend. Next weekend, I'll be in Dalton, Georgia um, at a place called The Mill. So look for that on my website. Uh, also, you know, a good way to stay in touch with what I'm up to, I have a, a thing called Bands in Town. I think it's bandsintown.com. And, you know, you have to sign up for a thing, but it's a great way for concerts in general. What you do is you just go on there and you follow people you like. So you'd go to Bands in Town and you would follow me. And then you wouldn't get any emails about me unless I'm going to be performing near you. 
But the moment I post a date near you, you get an email saying that I'll be there. So I think that's a really great way because you could sign up for my email list and then you get, you know, when I send an email, you'll get a lot of stuff. You'll get my latest videos, what I'm up to. And that's fun. And I, I suggest you do that too. But I'm less consistent with those emails. Like I'm like I'm the opposite of the over emailer. Like if you sign up for some people's list, you get bombarded with email. Like the Home Depot, I get bombarded with emails from Home Depot. I canceled that email because I applied for a credit card and I have good credit now, despite what my older jokes are. I used to not have good credit, but I worked really hard to get good credit. So now I have it. And uh, Home Depot didn't give me a credit card. So I'm like, I, I email them. I say, I go to Lowe's now, even though sometimes I do still go to Home Depot, but I don't want them to know that. So, um, so if you sign up for Bands of Town and then you can, you, know, you can put some other uh, bands you like and then you'll get emails for them too. But it's really simple. It, it's not annoying. And if you just go on there, find me, subscribe to, to my thing. When, when I come near you, you'll get uh, an email uh, with detailed information about where I'll be and how much tickets cost and tickets links and stuff like that. And also, that's what my calendar on my website is through Bands in Town. So that's a good way. And here we go. Where we been? I've been to Kansas City. I went to Kansas City this weekend to the improv. I talked about it before. Uh, you know, how the first time I ever went to the Kansas City Improv, I was featuring for Aerie Spears. I did six shows with him. Uh, it was a great time, wonderful time. The next time I went back to Kansas City, I did some shows. I did a show downtown, and I met a guy named Dustin Slintz. And me and Dustin have very similar names. My name is Dusty Slay. His name is Dustin Slintz. So the first four letters of our first name are the same, and the second two letters of our last name are the first two letters of our last name are the same. It sounds similar, and I met Dustin, and he talked about his family background, how much he loved NASCAR, and his family, you know, being this and that. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to talk negatively about his family because I don't really know him, but I'm just saying we have a similar upbringing. I don't know if he ever lived in a trailer but you don't have to live in a trailer to get a similar upbringing to the trailer vibe. Uh, I think I can relate to people that grew up in, you know, project housing and, and just low-income housing in general. And not that it's bad. Nobody prefers it. I think we would all prefer to have grown up in a mansion. Uh, but I think that you learn a lot more about life uh, growing up a little bit poorer. In fact... We could all stand, especially in our country right now, we could all stand to be a little poorer. You know what I mean? Not, not that people have not been negatively affected by, by the pandemic and this and that. And it's like, I think we're all getting poorer, but I don't know. I just think that we could be a little more self-sufficient is all I mean. You know what I mean? Like not our businesses crumbling and us beg money, beg for money for the government, but that we would... Um, you know, grow some of our own food, learn to uh, produce some of our own things. I want to build a cabin. I'm, I'm still focused on building a cabin on the land that I bought, and I want to put in, I'd like to have a chimney and a wood-burning stove and things like that so where I could go chop wood, and in the wintertime, I could sit in the house, uh, you know, with my chimney and heat the house. But I also want central heat and air. Like, I want that option. 
But like what's happening in Texas right now, very sad stuff. In Texas, like 3 million people are without power. Uh, and, you know, it's because, you know, a lot of times we have no alternative. If the power grid goes down, we're screwed. And I don't want to be in that situation. I mean, I am currently, but I don't want to be. So, all right, that's a, I got really sidetracked. I can get sidetracked on uh, being self-sufficient real fast. But me and Dustin, so Dustin, we did a show together, I think at a place called like Arts Bar, KC, Kansas City Arts Bar, something like that. We met, we had a great set, uh, we had a great time. And then, um, and then I headlined a weekend at, um, at or I headlined a, a one-nighter in, at the Kansas City Improv. And uh, I forget who was on that show. It was a long time ago. And it went okay. You know, I did like a Monday or a Wednesday. I was happy that they gave me the, the, the night, but it went okay. And then I went back in 2019 and did a Sunday night. And this time I did the Sunday night. Um, the, uh, I think the host was a guy named Nick Nichols. And then Dustin did a guest spot, and then Devin Henderson featured for me. So, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, still was like, I don't know, I was just unsure about the Kansas City Improv because I had had such a great weekend with Ari Spears. But then I'm, I'm, I've headlined two off nights, like a Monday and a Sunday, and they just go okay. So I was in this mindset of like, I'm prepared for this weekend to not go great. I mean, I still have a ruptured appendix in my body, which I guess is healing. I don't know, but I still have that in my body. And then I haven't done comedy in a month. And then it's a club where I've had okay shows at. So I get there on Friday. I only have one show, thankfully. I was thinking I was going to walk right into two shows, but it was one show on Friday. I get there. Dustin's hosting. No, Dustin, it's just me and Dustin on that night. Devin could not do Friday. So it's just me and Dustin on Friday. And I go up, and I think I had to do like an hour 10. And it was great. It was honestly one of the best shows. Uh, it's the best show I've ever had in Kansas City at that point. And one of the best shows I've had in, in, in a long time, and it felt really good. I think the breaks are good for me. Whenever I get to take a break and then go do comedy, I feel good. It's like, almost like, you know, I, I love to talk about cigarettes, but if you smoke cigarettes all the time and then you go like a day without a cigarette, that cigarette that you have feels good. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what this was like. It felt great. But I immediately had to leave, had to rush to my hotel to do a corporate gig, a virtual, virtual college gig for Seattle University. Which I always, I always feel like these are going to be disasters. And this is why. Because I'm 38 years old. And, and I'm doing comedy for college students uh, via a computer. And I always just feel like they're going to be making fun of me. Right? But it was such a great time. I really like college gigs. I had always heard that college gigs were a disaster. But I've had nothing but, but good times doing college gigs. And these, these people in Seattle University, they were so great, so fun. They laughed. I got a real heart for, for college students right now because I feel like this would be like the most difficult time to be a college student. 
for one, unless your parents are rich, while you're in college, you know that you're uh, amounting tons of debt and for a job that might not even exist when you get out of college. And, I mean, it is PC culture to the max if you're a college student. I mean, people are walking around offended at everything or at least pretending to be offended at everything. And so you're like trying to adjust to coming into the real world while also just dealing with, uh, I don't know, just all kinds of stuff. So I can't imagine what it's like to be a, a college student. So I got a real heart for them. So I was happy to be able to just laugh with them, be silly with them, you know, and, and bring them some joy because Lord knows they don't need to hear more about what's going on in the world. They're probably all terrified anyway. You probably have to wear a mask 24-7 on campus. So then on Saturday, I just hung out in my hotel all day. Did two shows that night. Really great. Devin had great shows. Um, Dustin had great shows. I had great shows. The Kansas City crowds came out. They were big crowds. I mean, oh, and then we had, like, on the first show Saturday, we didn't have, I didn't have a heckler, but I had a drunk couple in the crowd who was friends with another drunk couple in the crowd, and they kept talking to each other. So I had a really long, like, moment during the show where I just was talking to them, trying to get them to be quiet, and they didn't even realize I was talking to them. They just continued on. And eventually I got their attention. It was pretty fun, but they were so drunk that they just wouldn't stop, right? They kept, at that point, they then thought they were part of the show. And I think the club's having a difficult time because they're like, I don't know. It seems like he's getting good laughs off them. Do we remove them? I kind of didn't want them to remove them, even though they were annoying me because I thought, you know what? If the club gets involved, it's going to become a thing. And I don't want it to be a thing. All I want is them to just be quiet. But it was fine. And then after the show, those people came out. So, uh, one person came to the side of my table, uh, to the front of my merch table, and they were like, hey, we're really sorry about those people. And then those people come around to my side of the merch table. They're on that side with me. And this lady said, the, the lady who was drunk and a, and a real mess said to the other lady they got to talking and the lady had confronted her apparently and she said you know what f you lady and this was and this was the lady that was being the problem and then they were trying to fight people you know the the drunk couple the guy was real jacked and the woman was a real mess, and they were trying to fight people. They were trying to fight people in the club. I had to find the manager. I was like, hey, can we get somebody to get these people out of here? And it was becoming a real thing. And then they went outside and were trying to fight people. Dustin went out and told them that the cops were coming, even though they weren't, just so they would get out of there. And they eventually did get out of there. It doesn't bother me, but it was a real – it was uh, – I don't know. I thought it was, uh, you know – not nice to anyone and it's like uh, quit acting like we care about you we don't care about you we just want you to be quiet and then I, I met uh some relatives of kyle petty i did a kyle petty joke and then some relatives of kyle petty were were um there i, I guess the girl was like kyle petty's niece or something she was a petty i was like wow that's amazing i love the petty family 
So on Sunday, Dustin drove me around Kansas City a bit. I've been around Kansas City. Uh, in 2015, when I went there, Hannah and I were just dating. We had just started to date. So we went to this museum, this big arts museum in Kansas City, and we walked all around it. We got a bunch of pictures of ourselves in Kansas City, so it was great. But Dustin just drove me around, drove me around downtown a little bit to different neighborhoods, and I just took some video. It was cold as F out there, so we didn't, you know, we didn't get out of the car a lot. We we, we did go to a restaurant, a pretty cool restaurant. I forget the name. Um... But we went in there, and it was good. But, you know, I can't eat anything. So so I had, I think I had, uh, what did I have? Some guacamole and chips and then some vegan chili. I had a little bit of vegan chili, and then I started getting nauseous. They call it vegan chili, but it's just beans. I don't know why we're even pretending it's chili. It's just beans. Uh, but I guess people that are vegan like to have vegan things and Seem like they're doing vegan stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was so cold. It, it, when I left Kansas City, it was negative seven. At one time, I looked at my phone and it said it was negative zero degrees. And I don't know if negative zero is different than zero. Maybe slightly worse than zero, but it was cold. And my flight started getting canceled. Uh, my flight, and you know, I was supposed to fly out of... Kansas City to Dallas, and then from Dallas back to Nashville. My flight to Dallas started getting can, uh, canceled because Texas is having real problems right now. So they rerouted me to Philadelphia. So on Monday morning, I flew out of Kansas City, flew to Philadelphia, and on my way to Philadelphia, when I landed, I turned my phone back on, and it said my flight had been canceled. And then they scheduled me for another one, and then that one got canceled. So I ended up having to get in a hotel in Philly on Monday night. So I got the hotel, I stayed, it was fine. And then I booked another flight in the morning. I booked with Southwest, which I normally fly American because I got status. So I booked with uh, Southwest. And then I, I got to the airport. I was, you know, doing, I got a little food. I was doing my thing. And then I checked my email. That flight had been canceled. I tried to book another one with American. I got one booked, then it got canceled. All the flights got canceled. I was walking around trying to talk to people. Everybody in the Philadelphia airport was super rude to me. That's the rudest airport I've ever been to in my entire life. So I ended up getting another hotel, going to my hotel, getting some food, hanging out in the room, and then booking another flight. I had two flights booked the next day. I had one with Southwest, one with American. I'm like, I'm getting home somehow. And then that night, my American flight got, got canceled. So I'm like, there is no way I'm getting home. I had two checked bags somewhere floating around. So turn. So I got I got to the airport the next morning. I'm like, okay, so this is Wednesday. I'm supposed to be home Monday night. It's Wednesday, and I'm in Philadelphia. And I ended up, my flight did take off. Thank goodness. Direct flight home to Nashville. My One of my bags got sent to Nashville. One got sent to Dallas. So I have one of my bags. I still don't have the other bag yet. It's supposed to come today. But it was a mess. So that's why I'm late on the podcast. I mean, I got home on Wednesday night and finally made it home. Hung out Wednesday, happy to be home. Snow everywhere on the ground. I mean, it is snow all over the place in Nashville. Snow like I've never seen in Nashville. In 2015, when I moved here, we had a pretty bad snow. Um, But I haven't seen it like that since. 
So I, I don't think it's some kind of weird weather phenomenon. I just think every once in a while, it feels like every time, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about it, but it seems like every time we have crazy weather, everybody goes, oh, climate change, man, climate change. And I'm not saying that we don't have it. I'm not saying we do have it. I'm not trying to play any political games. But it just seems like we can't just have crazy weather anymore. We never can just go, oh, man, the weather's crazy this year, huh? It's always got to be a thing. And I don't know. I mean, it just seems like everybody always wants to go political with everything right away. And I'm just like, listen, we got some crazy weather. They'll go, oh, man, climate change. We haven't had a storm like this since 1985. And it's like, okay, so we had one in 85 then. (laughs) And so, but, so... Wednesday night, we go to sleep, and we wake up the next morning. Hannah wakes me up, and she hit a drip hits her on the forehead. We wake up, and our, our ceiling in our bedroom has water spots all over it, and water is leaking. So we freak out. We get up. We're putting pots all under the floor, and we go in, and above our room is where our heat pump is at, where our heater comes in. So we thought something had happened with the heater and the heat pump, so we're up there messing around. We're trying to figure it out. And then I just can't, I can't find it. I called the HVAC company and they got somebody on the way. And then as I'm digging around up there, I see in the corner, because where that heat pump comes in, it's in an attic sort of. And it's where the roof comes at a corner. So I see a little drip coming in through the roof. So I call two roofing companies. One, the, Both of them go, uh, is it, uh, we can get somebody out there next week. Is that helpful? And I'm like, well, that's actually not helpful at all, but, uh, I appreciate it. So I call my insurance company. I'm just trying to find somebody who may know. And what the insurance company says is what happens in Southern homes, because we don't have these weather events like this that often, we're not prepared for them is you can have what is called an ice dam. So your gutters will freeze and that's what's happened here. And as they freeze, water and ice and snow begin to pile more up your roof. And as they pile up, they can actually lift your gutter, uh, your, your shingle a little bit. And, and then the heat from inside the house can start to melt that ice and it will drip down into your roof. And that's what's happened to us. So our roof is not bad. Like we've had terrible weather uh, in the last 12 months, we've had the worst weather in, in Nashville. We've had, you know, a tornado, a terrible windstorm, and now this snow. So my roof is fine, but it, 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 we will have to have some repairs. But we got it fixed. Well, we didn't get it fixed. We, we, we got able to get up on the roof and chisel off all that ice. We had layers several inches thick of ice that was just frozen on the roof. So that's what I was up to yesterday was breaking ice off the thing. Luckily, I had a neighbor come down. He had a taller ladder than me. So we're able to get a lot of that cleared off. And uh, my phone's ringing. I'm going to take that. Okay. Uh, I'm back. I had a phone call. I have no idea what I was talking about before that. There's so much going on. So I'm in Kansas City. Dustin drove me around. It was great. Then we had another show Sunday night. Really awesome. Um, And I got stuck in Philly for a couple of days. And then I made it home. And then I had a leak in my roof. And now that's kind of fixed for now. And there's snow still on the ground. Uh, But I'm feeling great. So wonderful. That's where we've been, where we're going. And everything's great. 
I was able to do five shows this weekend with uh, no pain, really. And uh, I felt good. I have a ruptured appendix in my body, but apparently um, it's not killing me. And a doctor I talked to today told me that the appendix actually does have a purpose, which everybody I know says it has no purpose. But that doesn't make any sense to me. Personally, uh, you know, as you as you know, I mean, I am a, uh, a religious person and I believe that our bodies were created and I believe that each thing inside our body has purpose, as do we. Uh, we all have purpose. Um, and I wrote a thing down. I don't know that I want to read it, but I just, you know, uh, they always want to show us, uh, and I say they, you know, you know the old joke of who's they, you know, but I'm just going to use it. Uh, they always want to show us this picture of the Milky Way galaxy, and then they'll point to a small little dot, and they'll say, you are here. And then people use that to go, see how insignificant we are. We really mean nothing. We're just, we're just worthless people out here and all we do as people is we just destroy the earth we're just another animal and we're the most worthless animal and if if humans were gone then this whole world would be a better place and i don't know maybe that's true but i don't think of myself as worthless i think of uh, uh of having a purpose i mean god has created me uh god has created you we all have purpose everything is great um, and I think, I think that we shouldn't think so little of ourselves. I don't think that, you know, we should think so much of ourselves that we're, uh, think we're better than other people. Uh, but I think that, you know, we all have purpose and, this whole idea of we're just small and insignificant and we're just happened to be here. We were once, um, you know, some kind of uh, toxic sludge and then lightning struck the sludge and then we were, you know, we became fish and then uh, over time we, be from fish to monkeys and then from monkeys to man. I mean, whatever you believe. I, I, I just think that that leads us down a road of believing that we're worthless and that we have no purpose. And, and, and I just don't believe that. I believe we're full of purpose. And we should, uh, and, and we have uh, a good amount of freedom in our country right now, and we should, uh, we should appreciate it. And we should not be wishing that it would go away. And I mean, the mass thing, it, you know, and I harp on masks all the time, but it is, a, it is taking our freedom away. And, and more than that, this is what I notice is when I'm out and about, it's also taking friendliness and niceties away because as we make eye contact with each other, all we do is make eye contact now. We can't see smiles. We can't see expressions. We don't know when someone's joking. I mean, I went to a, uh, I was at the airport in Dallas and I went to a taco place and it was still early in the day, but I, I just saw a thing on the board that said brisket taco. So I said to the guy, I said, hey, I'd just like to get two of those brisket tacos. And then he takes out two flour tortillas and he starts putting egg on there. And I go, are those for me? And he's like, yeah. And I go, oh, I just want brisket. And this guy looked at me. Now, all I could see was his eyes. But he looked at me like I just said the most horrible thing to him. 
And I don't want eggs and brisket at the same time. But I wasn't like, hey, idiot, what are you doing? Take those eggs off there, moron. I was like, yeah, I just want brisket. Oh, and this guy was so mad. And it's like, I think that it's all a result. And I, I have had flight attendants be more rude to me than ever before. And I just think it's a result of everybody having to wear masks all the time and everybody breathing in their own carbon dioxide all the time. And I think it's a, an effect on us. And I just think that as people, I think personally that, that this is never going away. I know people keep thinking, all right, if we just do the mask thing for now, eventually this will go away. I think it never goes away. I've read stuff about the Spanish flu and how they were wearing the mask in the early 1900s and how they actually had to band together and, 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 and say, we're not doing it anymore. We're not wearing the mask anymore. And then it went away. And I think that's what we're going to have to do. Uh, but people, you know, people are so, you know, like, you're going to get my grandmother killed if you take them off. And I know people who have had their parents die and their grandparents die. And it's sad. I'm not saying it's not sad. I'm not saying that their life wasn't valuable. It was. But um, I had someone tell me the other day, they were like, yeah, I got a friend that works at the hospital. And she says that everybody that they talk to that gets sick uh, says they weren't taking the mask as seriously as they should. In my personal experience, the people that I know that are getting sick are the people who wear the mask the most. And I, all I'm saying is, is I just think that there is no hiding from it, whether you wear the mask, whether you don't wear the mask. And we all believe when we get sick. It's like I talked about last week. When I got beat up uh, in a bar, uh, I said to my friend, I said, well, I had this coming. I think if we're realistic with ourselves, when we get sick, when we get hurt, we then refer, we go, oh, man, you know, like if we have a heart attack, we go, oh, I've been eating hamburgers forever, and I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. We all try to rationalize and try to figure out what's gone wrong with us. So when we get the coronavirus, we go, well, I was in that elevator, and I took it off for a second, and I guess that's where I got it. Well, maybe that's not where you got it. Maybe you didn't get it there. Maybe you got it... Um, you know, through the mask. So that's all I'm saying is I just think that it's it's really taking our freedom away from us and, and our businesses are not able to open. I read somewhere today, don't know if it's real or not, but Fauci was saying that we may, oh no, Bill Gates was saying that we may need a third vaccine. And I'm just like, seems like uh, we're going to need updates like our computers now. And, um, you know, and I just... Uh, I just think there's no hiding from it. Uh, let, apparently, Wuhan, where this whole thing started, uh, they're having parties. Apparently, it's like party central of the world over there now. Like, they're, they're done with it. So, um, so, all right. So, off of that, and then I want to spend some time talking about my experience on Last Comic Standing. I'm sorry if this podcast today is jumbled up due to that phone call and stuff like that, but I'm coming off a long week, a lot of stuff. This is my first time back out on the road. I'm very happy. I feel very good. Um, I was, oh, I did notice this, right? I was a good little boy. Uh, I was a good little citizen 
at the airport in Kansas City. I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with anything. I don't want to walk around here maskless, being super strong today. I don't want to, you know, have my defenses up. I'm just going to wear the mask. I'm just going to do it. And I found that everyone was super polite to me. I got along just fine, and I thought, you know, when you just go with the flow, everything is nice, and everything, everybody is nicer to you, and you just go along with it, and you're like, ah, this is much easier. It is much easier to just go with the flow. Maybe I'll go with the flow all the time. Maybe I'll just go with the flow until I lose all of my freedoms. Maybe I'll just lose all my freedoms right down the drain as I'm going with the flow. But then I thought, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't. I am. Uh, I am an American, and uh, as far as I can tell, my family came here um, in the early 1700s. Before this was actually a country, they came from England. I'm gonna say that they were probably a very religious folk seeking a country where they could go because I have. Uh, you know, my family, as far as I can trace back, have been religious. I've had preachers in my family. My uncle was a preacher. I have a, a cousin that's a preacher, and it's like as far back as I can tell. And we've been farmers. Uh, what I read on Ancestry.com is the slaves have mostly been farmers. I can't find any slay with any money. So I don't imagine we ever really had any money or power. We're kind of under the radar just poor. I mean, my grandfather lived, he built a house in 47, but he was born in 1900. He used to plow a field with a mule. He had no money. My dad said they used to, he's, my dad would eat chicken. Like he would eat everything off a chicken leg. We used to make fun of him about it when I was a kid, but he told me, he said, when I was growing up, you got, when we sat down to get meat, you got one piece of chicken and that's all you got. There was not seconds. You didn't run right off to KFC and pick up a bucket. That one piece of chicken might be all you get. So you would eat everything off of it just so you would be full. My mom would talk about not having meat at every meal. Like they wouldn't get meat every day. She said they would mostly drink buttermilk. And then once in a while they would get what she referred to as sweet milk. And that would be the milk that we normally drink today that we take for granted um, and it's like my families grew up very poor. And so I think when I was growing up, I think we actually had a bit more money than I realized, but my parents both had a bit of a poor mindset from growing up that way that, you know, they didn't, we didn't live like that. And so, you know, I just, you know, I just am, am American to the core and I love this country. I think it's really great. And I think a lot of people complain about it. And I mean, no place is going to be perfect for sure. I mean, it's, you're always going to have problems, especially when you have freedom. There's all, when you have freedom of choice, there's always going to be people making a choice that you don't like. But that's a great thing about freedom of choice is they have that freedom and they're making choices you don't like, but you also have the freedom to make choices that you do like. And that's why I always think it's important that you have wins is that you go out and you try to achieve something because the more wins you have, 
the more you're going to feel good about yourself. If you don't have a lot of wins, then you start to go into a negative place where you not having wins, you start to look at other people who don't have, who do have wins and you resent them and you go, oh, uh, I hate that they have wins. I'm not having them. I hate that they have them. And so, uh, you know, you got to, it's important to have those wins. You got to have them. And I just want to encourage people to have wins um, and um, go out and accomplish something. Even if it's small, just feel good about yourself. Make a list each day of things that you're going to do. And then as you do them, you're going to feel better. Okay, now I'd like to talk about my, that's my rant for today. And uh, Lord, I have a rant. I can have a rant. Uh, All right, so it's not the end of the rant. But what I'm saying is, I just want people to, all of these things that I've said, I just want people to be happy. I want people to have their freedoms. I want people to have their wins. I want people to have their successes. But your success is not measured against someone else's success, right? Meaning that uh, if your friend Joe has just gotten a million dollars, but you didn't, but you're, you know, you have a house, a roof over your head, you have heat, you have food, you have friends, you have a family, you have people that you love, you have people that love you, but you don't have any money. Well, you're still winning. It's like, but you can look at your friend Joe and go, well, shoot, man, he's got a million dollars. And it's like, well, don't worry about that. More money, more problems, as they say. Don't worry about it. What is money? If you have your own success and your own love and your own family. I mean, I've been very broke before, but I've always been happy. You know, and um, it's, it, it, you know, and with the things that have happened to me recently uh, with my appendix, with, um, you know, my, uh, like, and my neighbor, I, I got a neighborhood now that I live in where I know a lot of my neighbors. So we, we have a Camry and a Corolla, both very small cars, economy cars, great on gas, not good in snow. But my neighbor down the, down the way, he has a, uh, an SUV. So he, my wife texted him, and he offered to come pick me up from the airport. And then I got a neighbor right now. I think I just saw the ladder move from the window. I think my neighbor right now is working to get the ice off my roof. And then with my appendix, I had people from my management team, friends, people praying for me, people doing things for me, people reaching out to me. The more, uh, quote unquote, bad things that happen to me, the more I start to see how people are rallying around me to help me. The more it's letting me know, hey, I have community around me. I have people that care about me. And when everything's going good all the time, you never reach out to people and ask for help. So... You don't even know if anybody cares about you or helps you. So it's like sometimes tragedy in our life can actually show us the good people that we have around us. And I think that we're so spoiled that every little thing that happens seems like tragedy. I mean, I have, I'm 38. I haven't been in the hospital since I was five years old. So that's 33 years of me not being in the hospital. But yet I'm in the hospital at 38 and I'm going, why me? Why me? Well, it's like, uh, you know, 
it's pretty great that that I haven't been in the hospital in all that time. And then I'm walking around going, oh, I can't believe they won't just take the appendix out. When at the same time, I'm like, no, I, I want all my body parts. There's a purpose for that. We may not know what it is, but there's a purpose for it. You know, a lot of people, you know, they just think that if we can't find the purpose for something, then it was something that we required when our bodies were less evolved and now we're evolving past that. I don't know if that's true. I could very well be wrong about everything and find out that we are evolved. I believe in a bit of uh, natural selection in the sense that, you know, like uh, uh, whatever the evolution guy was, I can't think of his name right now, but Darwin, when he's on the Galapagos Islands and he notices that there's certain birds that can crack seeds and so those birds survive and the birds that can't crack the seeds don't survive. So over time, the only birds that are alive are the ones that can crack the seeds. I get that because that gene trait is carried on. But the actual changing of species over time, I don't think exists. Call me crazy. <laughs> but I don't think it exists because... I just, uh, you don't see evidence of that. And, 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 and people will say, oh, there's lots of evidence out there. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's so, everything is so stretched out over time that it's hard to actually study it because, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into that. All right. For real this time, rant over. I'd like to talk about my time in Last Comic Standing. All right. So from 2008 to 2014, I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And from 2008 to 2013, uh, I had, until mid-2013, I had never actually done a comedy club. So the first four to four and a half years of my comedy career, I had never done a comedy club. So I'm going along doing comedy just in bars and in theaters. And then in 2013, I went to New York. I did a couple of comedy clubs here and there. And then in late 2013, I got to do Zanies for the first time. 2014, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, or I moved to Nashville. And then in 2015, I got to audition for Last Comic Standing at Zany's. They were traveling around to different places and setting up auditions. One of them happened to be at Zany's in Nashville because Zany's is one of the best comedy clubs in the country. So they picked it, and I got to audition, and I crushed my audition. I murdered it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. The next day, I got a call while I'm at work, while I'm in a, a Lowe's in Nashville stocking pesticides, I got a call that I had been accepted for the next round of auditions and that they'll be flying me to New York City to audition for Last Comic Standing. I was overjoyed. I had never been flown anywhere for comedy. It was amazing. So I was, I was pretty ecstatic. I got flown to New York City uh, on NBC's dime. I got picked up from the airport by NBC. I got drove to my hotel that NBC was also paying for. It was a lot of fun. I got to walk around New York City in my cowboy boots, listening to Dwight Yoakam. I'm a thousand miles from nowhere. Uh, just a blast. I met up with some friends, my friend Keith Alberstadt, Derek, I think Evan, Talia, some friends, probably Sam Yakel. Um, I, I hung out with a girl from Las Vegas named Shame Shama Tosh, who I ended up seeing again later 
uh, in 2019 at a comedy festival in Canada. Great. I made a lot of friends. I saw Willie B up in New York City auditioning. It was great. It was a wonderful time. I got, I stayed there one night in New York City, and then the next day was my audition. So around noon, I go to Gotham Comedy Club, and it's dark in there, but it's, it's noon. And they're just seeing comics one after another, doing, doing five minutes. And around noon, I think there's 12 people in the audience. One of those people in the audience is Wanda Sykes. So I'm, because she's producing Last Comic Stand, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty nervous. I mean, I've never done anything like this. I mean, when I was at Zanies, it was a full audience, and I, even at that time, I was already pretty comfortable doing Zanies. So now we're in, uh, you know, at noon in, uh, in, in, uh, in Gotham Comedy Club, which is a notorious comedy club, and it's like, uh, it's huge. And then there's only like 12 people in there, so... I go in, I do my five minutes, and I virtually get no laughs. So I think, well, there's no way I've, I've gotten this audition. So I enjoyed my night in New York, and then I flew out the next day, and I was a bit bummed because I, I was like, I know I'm not going to get picked. So I was a bit bummed. So a few days go by, and I get a call that I have been picked as part of Last Comic Standing's final 100 and I'll be getting flown to L.A. to compete, to be on TV. And it's a big deal, and I'm pumped about it. I'm like, whoa, this is amazing, right? So, uh, you know, I couldn't be more pumped about it. And then a little time goes by, and I get another call that says NBC has decided to cancel Last Comic Standing. And I'm about to do a show in Opelika. I'm going to do a show in Opelika and, you know, I've been riding off this whole thing. Anytime I'm doing a show for 10 or 12 people, I keep saying in my head, well, soon I'll be on Last Comic Standing and I'll be selling out after that. So this doesn't matter because I'm going to start selling out shows soon. And because at this point, I already had an hour of comedy. I had already recorded an album. Making That Fudge was already out. And I was like, I'm going to be carrying this hour around the country as soon as I become a finalist in Last Comic Standing. I didn't even want to win Last Comic Standing. I didn't even care about winning. I just wanted to get a little TV time so I could start selling out clubs. And so I'm in Opelika. I get the call that I'm not going to get to do Last Comic Standing because it's canceled. So then I go do a show, and that show was very low turnout, and I was pretty bummed. Um, but then a few weeks go by, and then I get a call that it's back on. We're back on. We're doing it. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I'm getting flown to. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to get flown to L.A. to do it. And then they begin to talk to me about some background. They say, hey, you know, we really like, you know, your story about growing up. Because I talked about growing up in a, in a trailer park and on a farm because my parents are divorced. So it's like my mom was living in the trailer. My dad lives on a farm. So they wanted to do a bit of a background on me, maybe come out to my dad's farm, do some filming. And I'm thinking, well, that's awesome. They must be really into what I'm doing because they want to do a story on me. That's exciting. So I talked to my dad about it. I told my dad, I said, well, you can't tell people, but this is what they're talking about. So then my dad was telling everybody. And 
So I was like, okay. We, I think we went to like the chiropractor or something. And my dad was like, he's about to be on last comic standing. You know, he's pumped. He's excited. I get it. But he's not supposed to be telling people, but he is. And so then, um, you know, it's back on. I'm getting, I get flown to LA. I fly out to LA. I spend the day hanging out with my buddy, Danny Green. And then I'm at the hotel that night. I'm just walking around. When I land in LA, uh, I'm on a shuttle with another comic I know named Clayton English. Me and Clayton ride the shuttle together from the airport to the hotel. And we're talking, you know, we're both pretty pumped. We're both pretty confident that we're going to go very far because Clayton is a really great comic. I felt like I was a really good comic at the time. I was featuring a little bit. And um, I had featured for a comic named Julie Scoggins. We worked together in Milwaukee at a comedy club called Jokers, which is a comedy club in the basement of a strip club. And uh, so me and Julie Scoggins had worked that. Julie Scoggins is going to be on Last Comic Standing. So it's like, it's really exciting times. I mean, a lot of comics that I know are going to be on it. I mean, and, you know, I met other comics. So I'm flying, I'm flown out to L.A., I'm going to compete in the final 100 of Last Comic Standing. And then when this weekend's done, I fly back to Atlanta where I'll be competing in um, the Laughing Skull Festival for the first time. And while I'm there, I had looked up some of the people who won Last Comic Standing in the past or, or, or uh, Laughing Skull Festival in the past. And one of those was Sam Morell. And Sam Morell was also in Last Comic Standing. So I ended up talking with Sam Morell a little bit and asking him about, you know, the Laughing Skull Festival. And he told me that winning that changed his whole career. He said he won and then he got to do Late Night and he went from being a part-time comedian to a full-time comedian. And he said it really changed his career. So I was very excited, excited to work with, you know, Sam Morell, even if it was just on Last Comic Standing. So we go through a bunch of stuff, and then they divide us up into groups. And so I'm in this one big group, and we get sent to this room. It's a big room, right? And all of the comics, it's like a giant green room. They got some snacks in there and stuff, but no real food. And we're in there. I mean, it's a big room of comics. I mean, just some people that I can think of right off. I'm in this room. This is 2015. I'm in this room, I think, uh, whether it's Taylor Tomlinson, Sam Morell, Miss Pat, Ian Bagg, uh, Andy Erickson. Uh, That's just a few people I can, oh, Julie Scoggins, Clayton English. We're all in this room together. These are all these comics, and there's a few others. I got a picture uh, I should I should have brought that so I could look it up. I carried this picture for a while just to prove to people that I was on Last Comic Standing. And just a big group of, you know, comics that are still working today. And it was a pretty amazing room of people. And I was excited to be there with them all. And then, um, so then we go out and... Uh, You know, we're only getting three minutes this time. So what I'm trying to do is I only have a few trailer park jokes. And up until this point, anything we had used in an audition, we could use again. So I was like, I'm going to just use the trailer park jokes that I have. So I was doing my best trailer park jokes. And then I was like, but when I get on the show, 
I can no longer use the material. And I thought, well, I've got more than three minutes of trailer park jokes, but if I take three minutes out of that chunk, it'll mess up the rest of the chunk, so I'll lose it. So what I'm going to do for the three minutes is I'm going to show a little range. I'm going to show how I got a bit of a different kind of, of comedy, and I'm going to do that in the three minutes. And then in the joke, I have a nice callback, so it'll be perfect. So what I decided to do was my bad credit joke and then three of my fish jokes. Um, so I used to do these fish jokes, and I thought they were really great, but I never have done the fish jokes again. <laughs> to my knowledge, I've never done them again after being on the last Comic Standing audition because I, um, well, I, um, I didn't win. So I thought, well, if I didn't win with those jokes, and they must not be very good. And so I go on, I do the jokes, and then the judges, I'm standing in front of a live audience, and then I also have three judges. There's Keenan Ivory Waynes, there's Roseanne, and there's Norm McDonald. So I'm doing comedy in front of these people. And then when I'm done, I do my jokes, and I get some good laughs. I mean, I wouldn't say I crushed it, but I got some good laughs. I mean, you know, I got laughs everywhere I told the jokes. And three minutes is hard. It's hard to come right out of the gate with three minutes. And I wasn't wearing the hat back then. I mean, I was a different looking guy. And so I, I come out, I do the jokes, and then I get judged. So I stand up there, and Keenan Ivory Wayans, he basically was like, uh, I just didn't think it was funny. He's like, I didn't find it was funny. He goes, I think you did a bit too many fish jokes. And I go, yeah, three is a lot. And I got a pretty good laugh from the audience because I'm like, dude, don't come at me about doing a lot of fish jokes. I only did three minutes, and I did a bad credit joke in there. So at best, I did two and a half minutes of fish jokes. Is that really that many? Not really. So, and then Roseanne said this to me. She goes, you had a good beginning and a good ending, but nothing really in the middle. Or maybe she said you had a good middle, no ending, no beginning. I don't know. Well, whatever she said, it didn't make sense to me, especially at the time. Now I think what she was saying was she wanted me to tell a bit of who I was. And I didn't tell who I was. I just told jokes. And then Norm MacDonald said this to me. And the only person that could verify this was my uh, old roommate, Nick Donito. And uh, maybe I'll try to get him to verify it. But because um, I guess it's not recorded anywhere. I never saw the video of it. But Norm MacDonald said this to me. He said, material comes and goes, but you have a great voice. I think you have what it takes to be a great comic. And I was like, wow, well, that's amazing. Uh, so I felt really good about what Norm MacDonald said to me. So I thought, well, you know what? Keenan Ivory Waynes didn't like me. Roseanne didn't make sense. And Norm MacDonald seemed to like me. So I got a chance. I got a shot. So I go out. We go through all of this. And then they, while we're sitting in the room, they begin to reveal um, you know, who the, um, who the, who the winners are, who's going to be moving on to the next round. So they got us all, oh, 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 and I forgot this. We're sitting in this room, the whole time we're sitting in this room, there is so much time that goes by. I mean, we're in this room for several hours just together, no phone signal, we can't even play on our phones, and camera crews everywhere. They got cameramen everywhere, and they'll, they'll just come in, and they'll just line up on your face and just start watching you. So it's like, I'm not the kind of comic that's like on all the time, 
but certain comics in the room are, and they're just trying their best to be funny for that camera all the time. I don't think they used one second of that camera footage because I ended up watching the whole show and I didn't see any of that camera footage. So I don't know what that is, but I, I was not messing around with it. That's not the kind of guy I am. I'm just in there focused on my jokes. And, and I kept flirting with this one girl that worked at, on the crew. And, uh, and, uh, that turned out pretty well for me. I won't get into any, I wasn't dating anyone and I was not married at the time. And that ended up turning out pretty well for me. That was the only win I got off of this, but, uh, it was a good time. And, um, and what, well, it was a good time mainly because somebody said to me, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen with that girl. Right. And I go, well, we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, it was a good time. So, I leave there not a winner. I only get a couple of hours of sleep, and then I got to get on a shuttle home. And Sam Morell also did not was not one of the finalists, who's gone on to have an amazing career without it. So I'm sure he's happy about it. But he was not happy the next morning. We got on a shuttle together. We both probably had no sleep, and then we flew out of there. And I ended up going to the Last Comic Standing, and then losing in the or I go on to Laughing Skull Festival and losing in the first round. So it was loses all around for me at the time. So as time goes by, um, I remember sitting at home with my roommate and he was showing me uh, a TV show called uh, How I Met Your Mother. I watched a few episodes, never really got into the show, not trashing and I know people, a lot of people love it, but he loved it. And he was showing me an episode where one guy on the show was trying stand-up comedy and he had jokes about fish and he really bombed. Um, so we laughed about that. You know, it was a good time. And then uh, the same roommate is there. Me and all my roommates are there. They all know that I didn't win. But we're all gathered around to watch the premiere of Last Comic Standing. It's a two-hour premiere. My understanding from Last Comic Standing is that we're all going to get some TV time. They said, you may, you know, even if you didn't win, you're going to get some TV time. So I knew I didn't win. And Last Comic Standing made me promote on my social media. They had a little graphic for us saying that, hey, I've, I'm in the final 100 of Last Comic Standing. Be sure to tune in this night, this night. So I shared it. I didn't want to because I knew I didn't win, but I shared it. And then, um, you know, a person that I went to high school with, in a very nice way, she shared a Facebook post saying, hey, a friend that I went to high school with is going to be on TV. Be sure to tune in and watch. And then that, I mean, that clip basically went viral amongst people I went to high school with, everybody I grew up with, everybody that I was ever friends with was sharing that post and commenting. People were like, I bet you won. And it was just like, I was like, I was humiliated by it because I'm like, I know I didn't win, but at least I will be on TV. So me and all my roommates, we gather around, we're watching it and, um, my, uh, and I'm joking around with my one roommate and, and, uh, he says something like, at least you won't be doing fish jokes. <laughs> right. And I knew I did fish jokes. So, and then we watch it. Two hours go by the show ends. I never show up on TV. Only one picture of me shows up on TV and I'm biting my cuticles, but it looks like I'm picking my nose. So that's the one sh picture of me that shows up. And then somebody else got a different screenshot of me 
Uh, I think it was Brian Bates got a good screenshot of me where I actually looked pretty good, but I never showed up. So the next day I had to make a post on Facebook saying, hey, I never showed up, but hopefully I will show up. I ended up watching the whole season to see if I would ever show up, and I never did. And then in the end, it comes down to the final three, and my friend Clayton English won the whole thing. And I was very excited for Clayton English, but um, it wasn't me that won, and it was very sad. Uh, but that's the whole story of Last Comic Standing. And then uh, I think the show, that was it. The, never sh the show never aired again. I thought they did a terrible job with that season. Um, you know, because I, they were like, it's all about the comedy. We're, like, because it was comics getting involved, Wanda Sykes, a couple other people, and they were like, it's going to be all about the comedy, not about the drama. And then it was just kind of a nothing season. Nothing really happened. They didn't show enough of anybody's comedy to really amount to anything. And I heard stuff like agents and, and managers were in there working to make sure that people would get into the finals. And I think had I done some trailer park jokes, I would have made it a little further because I think they were looking for, you know, poor, poor dude kind of comedy as opposed to creative comedy. Not that my poor comedy is not creative, but... But that's that story. And basically, you know, for, so from 2015 to 2018, I used Last Comic Standing as a credit because that's all I had. And then and finally in 2018, I ended up getting on Jimmy Kimmel Live and then later that year doing The Tonight Show. So if there is a moral to this story, which I don't know that there is, but if there is a moral, it's, hey, you know, just stick to doing what you're doing, even if it takes a, a lot of time. Comedy is a long game, so don't go burning bridges along the way. Make friends, uh, you know, do the right thing, be patient, and know that it's gonna take time. And anything you do in life will take time. I mean, there's not always this immediate gratification. We're an instant gratification type of society now where we want everything to have really quick, fast results. I know that when I post a video, if it doesn't get a million, oh well, nothing gets a million views, but if it doesn't get a bunch of views really fast, I start to get bummed out and I go, well, what did I do wrong on this video? And then the next day I'll look and I'll go, oh, that did actually get a lot of views. So it's like, but my videos have not always gotten a lot of views. It's like, now I'm doing pretty well. My YouTube is doing really well. I encourage you to go check out my YouTube because I am posting a lot of stuff there now. But it's like, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, time is just going by and, and, and a time, time went by and it took me a long time to build up the kind of career that I built up. And I didn't get instant success. I didn't go viral and suddenly become some sensation. I've worked for everything that I have. I've gotten help along the way, but I've worked for everything that I've had, and I've worked really hard to not burn bridges and not get impatient. So just remember that. I mean, it, it, it's going to take time. I mean, Last Comic Standing was a gigantic failure for me. It was a roller coaster of emotions, but in the end, a giant failure for me. But I didn't fail. Um... I just, you know, it just wasn't a success for me. It was a failure, but it wasn't a failing on my part. It just was a failure. So things are going to take time and, you know, keep your head up. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to feel bad. You're going to rupture your appendix uh, or the equivalent. You're going to have a leaky roof. You're going to get stuck in Philadelphia for a couple of days. Maybe not specifically those things, but you're going to have setbacks all the time 
but just keep pursuing, keep fighting, keep doing what you got to do because you will get the wins if you put in the work and you put in the time. Even if you don't get a win in that area. Like I worked really hard as a pesticide salesman for years and never saw any positive results in that job. But I've carried over what I learned in that job to comedy and I found successful results in taking what I learned in professional life and moving it into being a professional creative person. So that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry that I was late. I'll be back next Wednesday on time with the podcast. Thank you. We're having a good time.